0: Let's talk about Skid Marks. All this and more on This Week in Retro.
1: High resolution colour graphics, this land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible.
0: Those kids are not afraid of computers. Size matters. Epic skid marks. Cash for trash. And Kenan Roberta's big reveal. All this and more on This Week in Retro. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. So here we are after a, a week off, um, I hope you didn't miss us too much, but uh, we had a week off and we're back with another guest this week. We've got Dean from the channel Mean Machine. Dean with us. Welcome, Dean. Thanks for joining us.
2: No, thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be here. I'm a love, uh, big fan and lover of the show, so uh, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, it's nice to finally meet Chris in a virtual uh, way as well excellent so, you went yeah, a bit, west, to, bit, bit, here, bit right.
0: west country there dean when you said lover west.
2: we're a bit lover <laughs> <laughs> i try and incorporate all accents on this show or on your show anyway <laughs> but there we go so it
0: was good to have a good uh, have a week off and, and you included dean what, what did we all get up to in our um our last week let's start with you chris what did you do oh yep um just messing about really one of the
1: things i had time to finally do was test a christmas present so one of these um retro styled so it's a complete fake but a retro styled cassette player or a a boom box as they like to market it as and i wasn't interested in how it sounded but whether or not i could load spectrum games from it and sure enough i could so yeah that was good um other than that finally got some also some time to have a play about with my psvr which i don't often play with um and i don't know if you guys have played a game called super hot which is like it's like a first person shooter but um time doesn't move unless you're moving so you get these sort of matrix style bullet time effects happening um as part of that and um the developers clearly had a love for the amiga as well because the load room where you actually load each level is just full of amigas in
0: vr which is quite interesting so yeah pretty good fun i'm setting a rule this week uh, every time the word <laughs> amiga gets mentioned you've got to put some money in a pot chris i uh, i think oh, we've I been quite amiga heavy lately <laughs> uh, take a shot okay take a shot every time it's mentioned <laughs> we need to level the playing field for all those that uh, aren't as big amigans as us um super hot dean i think i might have seen you playing that on one of your streams once have you streamed that one
2: do you know what it's funny you mention it it was actually one of the very first games i ever streamed yeah. on twitch um I didn't have a clue what I was doing on Twitch. I was basically mumbling to myself because I had no way of getting chat into my headset. (laughs) But um, yeah, it is a really fantastic game. And it's one of those games that may not be graphically the prettiest in VR. But in terms of the gameplay and what you can do, it's absolutely fantastic. I remember there's one room where I think there's three people in front of you. And you're literally stuck in this tidy room. So you can't move too much, but you've got to be very slow and steady to try and dodge the bullets and everything and it's it really is a fantastic game if you've not played it go and find someone who's got a vr headset or go and get yourself one because it is absolutely brilliant
0: i need to give that yeah, one a go yeah. i'm glad you mentioned um the graphical quality and whether it is or isn't important in vr because that's a topic we're going to touch on a little bit later in today's show so glad you mentioned that um and you've also been doing something with uh, did you get a new arcade stick or something like that this week i heard you mention
2: Mm, yes, uh, so uh, I well, I, I have many arcade sticks. I seem to collect them because I don't have children. I just collect arcade sticks instead. Um, but instead, I have this, which is an Eight Bit Do arcade stick um, by the company Eight Bit Do. Although I don't know, I'm going to go with Do. Um, and yeah, it's it's predominantly made for the Nintendo Switch. However, you can connect it by Bluetooth. It has got lovely clicky, clicky, clicky. Uh, parts inside um and you can actually upgrade everything so if you wanted to change these to genuine samua arcade parts <laughs> you could quite easily do that um the other cool thing and i didn't even realize this until one day it actually comes with a 2.4 gigahertz um adapter as well so for instance if you wanted to put it into a raspberry pi or a mister it works perfectly so uh, yeah really really great uh, arcade stick and i would highly recommend
0: it and for those of you on audio, the joystick that Dean was holding up, it follows the old NES color scheme, the gray and the black. And it's got, I think it had 10 buttons I saw on there, or 10 that's big right. buttons and a few smaller ones dotted around. So um, it's a nice looking joystick. Another option, we do love a joystick on this show. We talk about them far too much, but um, that's a new one on me. I like it. Um, Here in the cave, we had a really big week in the cave. It was the first public day where visitors actually paid for tickets to come and visit the cave and I won't bang on about it too much because there is a video coming up on my channel. Uh, It'll go public on Thursday for anyone who wants to see that but I'm still here and I'm still smiling so uh, you can take from that what you will. Um, It did go well and I'm really looking forward to lots more public days. So a good week in the cave and uh, Chris as we've got a guest on today we've always got the same set of questions for them to get to know them a little bit better so why don't you interrogate Dean? let's do it Yep, yeah, nobody escapes so
1: very simple questions dean um basically if you could have only one and they don't have to necessarily be compatible with each other either which doesn't make any yeah. sense but kind of does <laughs> so it's essentially which is your favorite out of the following so first question which system uh
2: the system that shall not be named <laughs> he doesn't oh. want to take a
0: shot <laughs> oh. <laughs> go on
2: come on <laughs> I, th- I think we can work that one out it is the uh the C- commodore uh slightly bigger than a commodore 64.
1: Kind of oh system. okay yeah yeah uh, under the new rules yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah Sorry. Indeed. the uh, new' embargo. trying to
2: bypass that one but yes it, i i will say it it's 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 the commodore amiga i have far too many memories with my family and it was the first. Proper, proper. I guess computer we had, um, and there's there's just far too many memories for me. I so think, um, every time I see it, I see it.
0: I think I'm right in saying, you, was it a 600 you started with, Dean? No, so it was
2: a, it was actually a 500. Oh, okay. um, 500. we had as a fa- we had as a family um, because we had to get the memory upgrade for uh, for for various reasons. We had uh, two floppy drives and and all of the gubbins that you could ever wish for. Uh, for an Amiga um, and we have no idea where that 500 has gone but oh. uh, a very kind colleague of mine gave me a 600 which uh, oh, I now fine. cherish and I've now converted Neil to Loving
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he plays flight Sims, so that's not possible um, <laughs> but no good answer I won't I won't repeat it because I'm not allowed to say it um, okay so which game
2: oh that is a very 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 good one it I, I, changed the type of game that I think is one that I constantly go back to all the time. Um, for nostalgia reasons, I'm going to pick two because I'm awkward, but for nostalgia <laughs> reasons, um, magic pockets on the Amiga, I can say, hmm. um, it, it was a game that I bought at a, uh, an Amiga show a long time ago. And it was like my first game that I kind of saved up and actually bought myself. Um, and I've got such nostalgia for the game. I absolutely love it. I look very much like the lead character. Um, so, uh, <laughs> that's so, where I've uh, seen you before. So, yeah, so I, there's there's so many <laughs> memories tied up in that. Um, but in terms of my actual favorite game of all time, it's actually NBA Jam. How about oh. that for a shocker? How about that wow. for a shocker? You and know, that's a sports know,
1: game. Go. Okay, on the back of that, which joystick for your magic carpet slash magic pocket? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so here is the winner for me now i had a um i, I guess a, a skill of breaking uh joy pads and joysticks in my household however this was the one that survived oh, the conix speed king this is the man this is the one this is the champion you know you can you can put anything up against it but that just just the the, the sheer power of the clicky the the position in the hand and everything it just it just feels right and i know a lot of people would be like oh it's horrible and it feels horrible in the hands i don't like it i love this thing and again for nostalgia regions this thing is the champ if i could get it gold plated i would do so and i would use it with pride even with it being gold there
1: you go fair
0: enough. choice yeah. i don't think too many people will complain about that one <laughs> oh I've, I've had some i've had
2: some uh, some quite heated arguments about the iconic speaking believe me so uh, that's why
1: i'll defend it until the end it's not my favorite but i think it's starting to make sense to me because when you look at the design it's kind of the crossover between a joystick and a gamepad it's that sort mm. of small phone factor small movement you know very little play yep. before you actually make contact so yeah it kind of makes sense yeah all right cool shall we move on let's go are you guys crafty at all? Do you enjoy making stuff?
0: Crafty. Hmm. Um, I do like to think of myself as as creative, but generally I'm only able to be creative um, in a position where there's an undo button. So, so mostly digitally creative, I would say. Traditionally creative, not so much, no. Um, that, that's not to say I don't enjoy making, you know, a big old mess with a lump of clay or chucking paint at, at paper, but uh, I'm just not very good at it i like to be able to undo, yeah. How about you, Dean?
2: I think, well, I mean, casting my memory back, um, as a child, I used to have this real fascination of, like, building things out of paper. Um, so I used to, you know, make, like, film sets and stuff like that out of paper, which sounds really weird, I know. Um, I, I, like, back in the day, like, the first ever proper film I ever saw in the cinema was Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin. Um, I used to make, like, kind of, like, these 3D... 2d 2d stroke 3d sets of kind of the scenes and stuff and off the back of that i I kind of got into 3d modeling and animation which i actually studied at university so um i guess that kind of inspired me to kind of look at you know positioning of cameras and how to actually build models and and um you know kind of put the two things together but yeah i mean my mum used to tell me stories of when i was younger i used to make all kinds of crazy stuff and like we'd go into the loft and pull out things that i had made and i was like i have no recollection of that at all and uh <laughs> yeah apparently i was a very creative child but um i think hmm. as the years have gone by that creativity has uh slowly been on the downturn oh, but i'm, trying, oh, to I'm, trying, I, I I'm imagine, trying
0: to pick it back um, up i'm <laughs> trying i imagine you must be a big fan of um bill who makes uh, a doom out of paper um what yeah. was his channel oh, called yeah uh
2: so he's had a few different rebrands so uh, i think it was games made of cardboard um which i think is what it's called now and then he rechanged it to his name but essentially just look for games made of cardboard made and you'll of find it and, yeah and i mean i if i may uh, i uh, actually had bill on my podcast and he's one of the most down-to-earth talented and most brilliant people i've ever had the pleasure of speaking to um and if you've not seen his videos please do so they are absolutely brilliant and the fact that he's making a full feature-length movie out of cardboard just seems
0: <laughs> mind-blowing.
2: But I'm so excited at the same time to see what he's going to pull off. So, uh, so yeah, Bill is a, a very, very cool guy. But I guess, you know, there, there's some similarities with what I used to do with what he's doing now.
1: Nice. Well, I think Dean, this this next story is, is going to be right up your alley. Then, um, basically, subreddit user who, whose name I'm going to have to censor. We don't often do this, but I'm going to have to censor this one. I'm going to call him Next Fluffy Bunny Level. Um, share. He shared a short video on the subreddit, which was hugely upvoted, really popular. The video is set to a small section of the song Juicy by rapper Notorious Big or Biggie or B-I-G or... Don't worry guys, I had no clue who this was either. You guys know who this was? Have you got... Oh,
2: yeah, I, <laughs> I, do. I songs. do, I do, and I know the song very well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, fair enough. So yeah, this was, this was me catching up with, you know, what the kids are into these days then. But anyway, the opening lyrics and, and the lyrics that are used in this particular short video go, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, when I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. I did practice rapping that actually earlier because i thought that would be a bit of a gag but i'm not gonna do it guys i'm just (laughs) i'm not we need we need another guest and i know who that is and i think neil neil knows that as well um who's uh recently apparently good at rapping but we won't mention him today um but basically what this short is kind of a TikTok style video, and it shows a pair of hands very swiftly crafting. Um, well, first of all, it crafts a retail Super Nintendo box or Super Famicom box, um, followed by a couple of small game boxes. And, and when I say small, the game boxes are literally about the end, you know, the size of the end of the guy's thumb that you can see in the video. We're talking tiny stuff, um, and it's really well put together and really well prepared. Uh, And next, they're sort of cutting out some Sega signage with a craft knife, and then suddenly it kind of pans out and he's stacking an entire shop full of these little game boxes. So he's made I don't know how how many hundreds of these game boxes and basically filling the the, the shelves in this model shop. Um, And basically the whole thing is just so that he can stage an action figure of the rapper, uh, Biggie, and take a photo of it so all that effort isn't actually about the model at all or the crafting or even the video that we're seeing it's literally about a single photo what what do you reckon neil you know you're going to put a a little model of the uh the shop
0: exhibit from the cave together would that be something you'd do well i mean you say it's you say it's all about the photo i'm sure for him it was all about you know as much about the process of anything because that sounds like a really fun thing to switch off to and, and do um, i like that i wonder if he needs me to come and iron any of those boxes for him. i <laughs> <laughs> um, need a smaller iron um, yes, but, but it, yeah. it, it is odd that you should be bringing up this conversation this week in particular because just this weekend on discord we were chatting and a user by the name of Kosam posted this picture which hopefully duncan can pop up on the screen and uh he says that that is my action figure <laughs> so i've already got one apparently <laughs> um but for, for those on audio I, I think this must be an old wrestling action figure it's, it's a bald guy of course with a, a very strong eyebrow game uh, a beard and all of the muscles like muscles upon muscles there's so much muscle going on here which of course is exactly how my physique is so dean i know you like your wrestling do you have any idea who the hell this guy is
2: um, he looks like a budget Goldberg combined with Stankhold Steve Austin. Is probably the best way I can describe it. But he looks like someone who's seen something he shouldn't have, because there's definitely a thousand-yard stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's seen something. Um, but uh, I definitely want to obtain one just for reasons, and then put RMC somewhere on it. But. Um, yeah i have absolutely no idea but i'm absolutely fascinated by it at the same time well
0: i know that you recently <laughs> got hold of your very own trevor the tortoise joystick so maybe mm. you could get him and trevor could be like my battle cat i could ride around <laughs> <laughs> <on> trevor <laughs>
2: What a superb idea i need to animate that you've given me an
1: idea now oh I, I don't know about animate i want a purchasable toy i was actually thinking a lotus esprit is your rmc mobile neil but yeah i go with the battle cat <laughs> I mean, <that'd> be... <laughs> <laughs> trevor the turtle battle cat that would be fantastic um but anyway we better get back to the actual story because we're good at this aren't we um so the set design um uh, for the photo its the work of a photographer called Dwayne. shoots photos who creates art by photographing action figures in this way and we We'll include a link to his stuff in the show notes, of course. Um, I don't know. I I like... The, the quality of what he's put together here. And it's fascinating watching somebody else do it. And I used to really enjoy, I remember back at school, you know, designing nets, as I remember them being called, you know, where you basically start off with a flat piece of paper, you draw the lines and where your folds are going to be and where the tabs are going to be that you're going to glue to each other and stuff like that. And it was quite good fun. And I, I remember t- particularly during my GCSE, one of my projects for design and communication, we had to come up with a, a net design that could fit on the back of a cereal packet as a giveaway toy. So something that kids could cut out fold together glue together and um you know have that as the giveaway to entice them to buy the thing and you had to be able to include the instructions in the design of this cereal box um and of course with my love of flight sims i ended up making a net for a f-117 uh stealth fighter so i, I enjoyed that of course you did, but of course the problem you did. is yes of course i did <laughs> uh, but the did problem you actually is do it
0: though or did you just say the teacher well it is there but it's a stealth plane so <laughs> oh that would have been good wouldn't it? well
1: to be honest that is how most of my projects went they were pretty stealthy i must say when the teacher was asking where they actually were and was anything going to materialize i, I wish i had a thought about claiming stealth capability of my projects to be honest um because they were often completely invisible uh but yeah i love designing that kind of thing and so i like the, the the work that goes into that but i'm rubbish at building them i seriously am glue gets everywhere the tabs never line up um, and I, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was around 2020, it was sort of all the rage, everybody was talking about it in the groups, uh, the work of Rocky Bergen, um, mm-hmm. who did the paper craft designs of several different machines. So the machine that we're not allowed to mention, um, the Spectrum, uh, Amstrad CPC 464s, and CRTs to go with them, cassette players to go with them, all those kind of things, tiny little paper craft models available for free on his website. So you just download them, cut them out and stick them together yourself. And I had a go, I wanted to have it here as a prop, but I think it's gone to where it should have gone, which is in the <laughs> bin, because it was just so badly done, the one that I tried to put together. So I will provide uh, Dean with a photo that he might be able to slice in. It's, it's just not a good effort at all. So if you're into that kind of thing, do go and look at those models that you can download for free, but please don't go buy my photo as to what the end result should look like, because well, yeah, a the, good example sure. of a bad example.
0: I'm looking at the picture here. Um, Dean, you've, you've just been promoted to a producer by the sounds of it. You, you said I, I did notice that as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, I, 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 I didn't know about this. So uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. But just to uh, describe the, uh, the photo, um, I would describe it as it looks like microcomputers that have been left out in the rain and got slightly soggy and just kind of warped. It's not a good look. The, the sad thing is that's the photo
1: I took straight after putting them together. So it's not like I can blame it, blame that on the cat sitting on them or something. <laughs> that, that was, yeah. Anyway, let's, let's move on from my papercraft work and the fact that um, Dean's doing the producing this week. Um, So, but the diorama in this video, I don't know. It would look good. I think with some of those, you know, if forget the fact that it's for staging a photo, if you're going to have it as something on your shelf for your retro collection or something, that'd be kind of cool. And I was thinking you could add some of those, you know, the mini or the micro arcade cabinets to really polish it off and maybe give it a bit more of a function so that there's actually something to do whilst looking at it, you know, play some of these micro games that might finish it off. Um, But they're not cheap, of course, even the cheap ones. I was looking at them um, just before Christmas. Uh, over here, the, the 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 cheap ones are about $50 fifty to $100, so around £25 to £50 each. And of course, if you're going to build a retro arcade, you can't just have one or two. You're going to want quite a few. So it starts to add up. Um, have you guys been tempted to start collecting that kind of thing or get into the world of micro arcades? Well, that's where this comes in. So um, this started as
2: a... Sorry, the reason why i'm holding it quite gingerly is because it's basically held together by um hot hot glue and luck basically um so so this is a very very small astro mini cab now obviously it's not plugged in um but i will send some video footage of it actually running so it does actually function as a um, retro pi arcade um Now, the buttons on the top are obviously far too small to be operational, unless you're all a hamster, Um, but I haven't wired those up for a hamster. So uh, for us human hands, there are a couple of USB ports on the front there, and powering this entire thing, can't quite see it, but you can see kind of all the gubbins there is a um, Raspberry Pi Zero. Um, And the screen does work on this thing. It it is absolutely ludicrous to try and play a game on here, Uh, trying to play anything smaller than, I would say, sprites, Smaller than the uh, sprites on streets of Rage 2 uh, is probably near impossible. Sonic looks hilarious on this thing, but it does have a HDMI out. So if I want to take yeah. this to a friend's house and play it, I could output it to a TV. But um, yeah, this, this started as a, a small project by a, a gentleman I found on Twitter of all places, randomly, uh, and it was set up as similar to what you described. So it was something you would just put on your desk and, and leave it running. And the... <laughs> the the questionable uh part of my mind kind of said well can i actually make this work as a proper arcade and the answer is yes with a question mark that it works via usb um controllers rather than the actual sticks on the top sure. but yeah it's it's very odd and a very interesting little project that i made uh, and i'd love to actually upgrade it with maybe a, a newer uh, Pi Zero, but um, yeah, I'll send you some videos to, to splice into this chat and uh, you'll see it actually running. But it's uh, it is quite hilarious when you see it running. No nice. we'll wait
0: for that update when uh, when Pi Zero's become available again sometime in Indeed. 2027. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> but that's no, a nice looking thing. It reminds me of something called the Replicade, which uh, I first mm. saw probably about three years ago. I first saw this, and this was probably a very similar scale to what you've got, maybe a little bit bigger. And it was a tiny recreation of Dragon's Lair, So you put it on your desk and it would play away. And um, it, it the detail on it went down to, you could open the cupboard on the back and inside was a tiny laser disc player. And inside <laughs> that was a tiny laser disc that you could take out. A really cool little wow. thing. And probably the closest I would ever get to owning a Dragon's Lair cabinet um, or at least getting out the stairs here. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that, that's one that I would probably get uh, not to play just to have the attract sounds playing in the background all day, I think
1: yeah nice i just think it's a scary rabbit hole for me i know as soon as i've got one of these micro arcades on my shelf you're gonna want more (laughs) i like your approach dean you can have one that can play everything you know if you use retro retro pie exactly yeah (laughs) but just buy the -the off-the-shelf ones it's going to get very very expensive so you're probably a smarter man than myself so that's cool. So yeah, this diary in question, you know, that we're talking about um, was crafted, crafted by Dwayne. Um, I think the final result looks great, even though action figures are not really my thing, but I just, as I've said, I really appreciate the work and the attention to detail that's got into making the background set. Um, so even if you're not gonna make one yourself, uh, and if you do, hopefully you do a better job than I would, it's always good to see somebody else's work. And this very short video will only take up 25, 28 seconds of your life in the subreddit. So do check it out. And we'll link to Dwayne's Facebook page as well, which showcases other photographs, many of which have got retro gaming related set designs in them
0: as well. Guys, when was the last time that you thought about skid marks?
1: I don't want to talk about skid marks, Neil. And you know why. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i i had a
2: very bad accident at a friend's wedding once and uh, yeah that, that was the last time so
0: oh, i don't really want to talk about the, it yeah, yeah you know the story is, Neil. you know the story. mango juice story was it mango that juice? is correct yes <laughs> yes it was i don't want to talk about it so uh yes what are you guys we'll, we'll, talking about we'll, we'll save that we'll save that one once we finish and i will tell you the story chris but yes let's move on <laughs> yeah that's, that's one to ask if you ever go and watch me machine dean on twitch just ask him about the wedding story. He'll happily tell <laughs> you, <laughs> but it's not one for us.
1: tell me that story. I'll tell you my NBA jam story. All right, moving
0: on here. <laughs> Okay, well, we're, we're, of course, talking about the game Skid Marks. I've got a copy of it here, released by Acid Software in 1993. The game took tiny racing to the next level with a, an isometric view of the action, zoomed in, scrolling around the track. Uh, the game reminds me... Um, quite a lot of Ivan Ironman Stewart super off-road. And I can never say that name without saying who the hell was Ivan Ironman Stewart and where is he now? Never heard of him before or since, but it was a fun game. So Skid Marks is kind of like that, zoomed in, scrolls around, the player bounces and jumps and tumbles over all of the bumps on the track. It's It's great fun. When it first came out in 93, there were a couple of things that really stood out. The first was that it actually looked kind of 3D. And I thought, how the hell is that computer that we can't name, uh, and then later the Mega Drive that it came out on. How the hell are they doing that? How are they rendering these detailed little uh, cars in 3D, lots of them on the track? Well, it turned out they weren't, of course. They were using, I think it was Lightwave, to render uh, every angle of every car and then turn it into sprites. Over 800 of them, according to the reviews, 800 sprites in there of these tiny little cars. And the trick worked really well. It did look like a lovely little 3D racer. And it's a trick that I think was also used for roller coaster tycoon. Um, I believe every single angle of every single roller coaster car had to be rendered in that way and then it were pre-rendered into a big array of sprites, and then the, the programmer would work out which one to display. So that's same kind of similar effect. So it was really cool that it stood out in that way. And it was also. The poster child for something at the time, which was called Blitz Basic. Now, this was a programming language that promised you could get powerful games out of an easy to use language. And this game absolutely proved that you could. It was a really good cutting edge and most importantly, commercial game. You could go into game or whatever game shop of choice you went to and you could see it on the shelf and you could ask the shop assistant, as I did, if they had skid marks and they would, they would go and find it for you. I'm sure that joke got really old really oh, quickly. Dear. And um, yeah, so it was proof that a basic programming language really could push the machine to its limits and produce something like that. Did either of you play skid marks? Or the later, I've also got here, super skid marks was the follow-up. Did either of you play them, Dean?
2: I think the last time I had super skid marks was the mango event. But anyway, <laughs> um, we we digress. Um, but yes, I did. I uh, <laughs> I've broken Chris. Tremendous. Um, we uh, yeah. So uh, we well, had it for the Amiga, um, and I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure if you wanted, was it? more cars on the track you needed the memory expansion for the amiga you're right
0: yeah yeah so there was yes there there was it was really good because it had an a500 disc but also an a1200 disc and then if you had more memory you could increase the number of cars because obviously with 800 sprites it could only load so many of them into memory so if you had more you could have a, a bigger variety of cars to load all those sprites into memory yeah that's right so i
2: remember the moment we got that memory expansion uh, block for our uh, for our A five hundred. I was like, hang on a minute. I remember seeing something about this, and suddenly there was just more cars on the screen. I was like, now, now this is now this is skid marks. Now we're playing. <laughs> now we're playing with power. You know, this is what we need. We need more things on the screen. Um, but yeah, I mean, later on, I actually went to uh, a friend's house. I didn't have a, a Mega Drive brain. I I was a very much predominantly Nintendo household for a long time. Uh, so I used to go to a friend's house to play his Mega Drive. And I remember him having uh, the, the Mega Drive version. I remember playing it. It was only like part of the way through. It clicked, and I was like, "Hang on a minute, <laughs> I remember this game." <laughs> I was like, "Hang on, this this is this is all coming back to me now." And then after I realised that, I suddenly started destroying him at the game. <laughs> um, but uh, sorry, Paul. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I I love it. I think it encompasses everything that's great about um, a, a very basic driving game, which is it's fun. You know, it, anyone could pick it up and play it um and that you know even if you do lose a race you straight want to go back into it and, and play it straight away and i think that is very important when it comes to a, a very simplistic uh, racing game uh, although you do need to master the craft to get very quick at it
1: hmm. yeah i've also got a, a copy of it here um for one of the computers in my collection
0: oh you've got a different box <laughs> of mine so if i hold mine up yeah like, like so the four by four You've got the sports car yeah. on the front of yours.
1: This one's got yeah. the, the the Porsche, or no, the, not officially the Porsche. And the weird thing about this one is, so the the discs. This one was donated to me. The discs inside this one, it, it is skid marks, and then it's got a disc for the AGA version, or a couple of discs, I think. And then it's got another box inside
0: that that says Super Skid Marks Upgrade. So yeah, oh, it's interesting. So that must be a later all in one. Yeah, the funny. label on the front of mine says contains three discs plus free AGA disc. So it's yeah, there you go. There. So yeah, but in terms of did I play it back in the day, I'm sure I
1: did, but there's there's quite a few similar games. Um, and I think it's actually super off-road that I played more than this. I remember the track being zoomed out and not scrolling around. Um, and the other one that I always think of is Rock and Roll Racing, but I'm pretty sure that had weapons, didn't it? So whereas this one didn't.
0: Yeah, that was the one by Rare. Um, had really good... Uh, guitar music in it or good by super nintendo standards so that was a good game um yeah so uh, (laughs) why am i bringing up skid marks this week well uh we had skid marks in 93 we had super skid marks in 1995 and now the original developer who's not far from you down in new zealand chris uh Mm -hmm. he is back with epic skid marks i I feel like we need some echo there duncan i'll try that again epic Epic skid Skid marks Hopefully, he's added some effects to that and I don't just sound like a moron shouting it out. Um, The game is free to play in browser at epicskidmarks.com and it is very, very true to the original. I wouldn't be surprised if it even has some original code in there because I know Blitz Basic progressed to uh, it had different names. I think think it might have been called Monkey at some point. Anyway, it progressed and progressed. And then there was a version of Blitz Basic that lets you just compile it as. HTML5 is it what I can't I, I'm not sure what, exactly what it is yeah Dean's not in his head uh, so you can actually um, compile those old your old code directly into something that will run in the browser I don't know if this is how it's been done but it wouldn't surprise me I, I, I must get him on for a tea break and have a chat with the developer so it's free to play and um, I've, I've become utterly addicted to it. This is why I'm bringing it up. You know, the the first step to resolving a problem is to admitting you have a problem. Uh, And I am admitting to you that I have a problem with epic skid marks. The bonus of playing it online is that you can play it against other people. Now, the the original, you could do that, but you had to link up two machines. Well, now the whole world can race you. And there is a man by the name of Aznivor, and he has become my nemesis. If you're listening, (laughs) you're going down. <laughs> I tell you, It's been a hard week this week. Oh. L- let me explain to you. So he's, he's become my arch rival over the past couple of weeks. We've both become so obsessed with this game that we play it daily. We try to top the scoreboards. And here's the thing. The game is still in open beta testing. So it's not without a few bugs, but generally it's, it's sound. But one of the bugs is sometimes the scoreboard stops working properly. So you'll register a fast time. It'll appear and then 10 seconds later, it'll disappear again as if it never happened. And um, the worst thing happened to me this weekend, which was Asnaval was topping the tables. And I did the unthinkable. There's this track called Gyro. It's one of the original tracks from the original game. It's like a figure eight with a few jumps in there. And both of us were really pushing to try and beat 16 seconds. That was the lap time to beat. If we could beat that. We knew it was possible if we could just string together the perfect lap. And then on Saturday, it happened 15.99 seconds. I was jubilant. I was the champion. I had beaten Aznavour and crushed the sixteen-second, uh, the barrier, and my name flashed up on the leaderboard for ten seconds, and then it vanished again. And Aznavour went back up oh. to the top. This is the closest I've ever come to throwing my PC out the window. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was raging. Oh, I was nice. raging, but I did have the peace of mind to hit the, um, the print screen button. So I've, I've sent a picture to Duncan. There's that scoreboard. Me at the top, 15.99. Asnavore had got it down to 16.05. My fastest time be- before that was 16.12. So th- it was a good lap by my standards. But that wasn't good enough. The next morning, Asnavore rocks up. He sees my time. He puts in a 15.98. It's that close. Ooh. 15.98. And it registers and it stays on the scoreboard. And I'm not having that, (sighs) lads. I'm not having that. So uh, Sunday was written off as a skid marks day. By by, about lunchtime Sunday, there's another picture for Duncan to pop up there. I'd hit a 15.93. 15.93 against his 15.98. There's no way he was going to beat that. I just turned the machine (laughs) off. I was done. No one's going to beat that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he continued. There's another picture here for Duncan to put up coming towards the end of sunday he puts in a 15.86 cool so one what well within the space of 24 hours after two weeks of trying not only have we broken the 16 second barrier the first six fastest times on the scoreboard which is now saving the the times because you reach out to the developer in the, in the online chat and you say oh you fix it And he gives it a kick and it starts working again. So uh, within 24 hours, we'd broken 16 seconds. And the top six times between us was all sub 16 seconds. This is competition at at its highest level. This is what what happens. Two men obsessed with getting the time down as much as they can. 15.86. I don't know if I'm ever going to beat him. I'll either need a glitch or a bump from another car or something lucky. But I think that might be peak skid marks for me. (laughs) and here's the worst part every 24 hours this isn't a bug this is by design every 24 hours your times vanish so you have to go back and set another time if you want to stay at the top of the leaderboard so the battle continues daily um i think it was two or three weeks back on the show when i confessed that the one type of game genre that gets me really hooked is driving games it might have been when we were talking about lotus or something else i can't remember now Hmm. there's just something about that repetition of lap after lap which switches my brain off and all i'm focusing on is the laps or sometimes i'm not even focusing on that You, you know you almost go into like a daydream it's just such repetition you just switched off and it's really nice and it's relaxing to switch mm. off to everything else that's going on in the world. And racing games do that for me. Uh, but with Skid Marks, I'm utterly hooked. I've got a problem. I've got a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, do these kind of games have the same effect on you, racing games in particular, or are there any other genres that help you to zone out? What are you into? Well,
2: you know, it's... Oh, go I, on. I was just, just <laughs> going to say, um, the interesting thing just listening to you talk about that is it reminded me of i guess coming into modern day gaming gran turismo with the licenses because mm. those are all time-based and that kind of almost becomes a a mind-numbing repeat <laughs> of just trying to get those gold gold licenses um but for me um in recent times i've been trying to play games blindfolded uh, oh, yes. and the nemesis game for me has been mike tyson's punch out on the nez uh, and i've got about three quarters of the way there now blindfolded um some of you might think that that's not a very hard task but the game requires you to memorize the game to know the cues of what you'll need to listen out for and to know every single inch of that game back to front and to try and do that blindfolded is no easy task to say the least Um, i actually played it live recently for charity and uh, yeah i got further than i ever did before but Um, I think I had my heart rate monitor on and I think it reached like 125 (laughs) beats per minute. So uh, yeah, it was getting a bit intense and I was like, well, if I don't stop, either I'm going to give up or the game's going to give up. So uh, yeah, fortunately I uh, decided to stop there. Um, But yeah, so uh, yeah, I think Gran Turismo is probably the most recent one that's kind of got me addicted in this Mm time-lapping, mind-numbing, time-lapping, beating mentality.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So same for me, driving games. I mean, you know, Neil, I tried to join the fray in skid marks with you guys (laughs) and I just couldn't match your times. And just only yesterday, I was asking you how the hell you were doing it. And maybe before we started recording today, I was having another go. Um, but yeah, just, I just couldn't get there. And the thing is I couldn't get those consistently good times. Like I think my top one was a mid 16, um, but they weren't consistent. Mostly they're in the 17s or the 18 second laps um but to get consistent 16s and then cracking into the 15s that's that's pretty good going my hat goes off to you sir so i want to talk about a completely different game because i don't like that one now um yeah. but <laughs> yeah what i do like though actually before i talk about my my win um is is i do like the fact that you threw the gauntlet down and as soon as i logged onto the site and saw your times right at the top that gave me a reason to play beyond just the game itself and that is fantastic. Um, So the one for me was Lotus 3, box propped, um, uh, basically only because in one of the Facebook groups I'm involved in, again, somebody threw down a gauntlet. So they just pick a different game at different times in the year. They picked Lotus 3. It was on the medium setting. You had to choose the Lotus Turbo Esprit, and it was just basically go uh, for the highest score. So I got really into that challenge and I was winning it most of the time. And then some random guy called Bradley uh, managed to score just over 12 million. Um, in fact, he got 12 million. It's not that I have these facts to hand all the time because I was so obsessed with it at the time, similar to yourself now, but it was 12,214,190. And I just played it over and over and over. And look, I'm glad I'm not the only one that talks about zoning out and not just zoning about zoning out from the world around you, but zoning out from the track, zoning out from the game, zoning out from the corners. And I think in in actual, you know, motorsport they call it being in the zone. I call it zoning out because sometimes it's when my mind wonders that I actually get the best times. I could be thinking about what's for dinner or what I did yesterday or whatever. And then suddenly realize that I've actually got further than any other go. And then I realise where I am and how well I'm doing. And it all goes uh, wrong again, but um, (laughs) you know, but I seriously, I just played it over and over and over. I even did two live streams um, so that a handful of people could watch my attempts and ultimately my failure at trying to beat Bradley. Um, But it was on the last evening of the competition. And I really did have to go to bed. Well, actually, I didn't have to go to bed just yet. I actually got talking to Bradley on Facebook. I assumed he was in the UK, in which case, when I went to bed, he could continue to get better and better times. Lo and behold, he was from Australia. And better than that, he was from the East Coast. He was about to go to bed. I still had an hour and a half before I needed to to hit the sack. So I had, I think it was another two goes and it was on my last go before I really did have to call it a night that I scored 12,395,370. I may still have the photograph that I had to submit to the user group. Um, So about 180,000 over hit over bradley's score which really isn't that much in in terms of you know game time seconds you know uh, that, that clock up as you go through the checkpoints uh, that you get awarded for is probably i don't know maybe five seconds difference between our attempts at the medium course but yeah it just felt amazing obviously it felt amazing to beat bradley and win in that group but it, it was just for fun um but it, again it just felt so good to have a reason to play and because life's busy you know there's all all sorts of other things to take a time away and to actually just sit down turn on my sorry i'm having a preemptive drink (laughs) amiga and actually just sit there and concentrate and enjoy playing the game for the sake of doing nothing but that yeah it was really cool and it was because somebody does set a challenge yeah
0: nice well i like that you've said to us um you know, I think I've still got the screenshot somewhere, which I sent into the Facebook group. <laughs> and then behind you on like a 55-inch TV is the yes, screenshot. Yes. Oh, <laughs> there think it I've is. I have got it somewhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's 65-inch, yeah. Neil. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> as humble as ever, Chris. It's kind of humble <laughs> as ever. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to hear the, the listeners' choices for games that they zone out to. But it does seem that there's a particular mm-hmm. thing about driving games and the repetition of them that causes you to do that. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting that you both share those thoughts. So thank you for sharing them with us. And the the battle for, for Epic Skidmarks will continue with Asnivore. And with anyone else who wants to come and join in, go to epicskidmarks.com. I'll try and keep posting times, but whether or not we'll ever beat him, I don't know. But if you see Asnavore on the track, just, you know, give him a little tap into the barrier. Help me out here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh this might seem like a stupid question guys but do you have any old computers or tvs laying around at all duh uh probably more than i would like to admit (laughs) fair enough um well you're in luck guys because i'm sure you're wondering what you can do with all that old stuff um I'm sure they're just cluttering up space, right? Uh, uh, I mean, Neil, actually, I can see in your video footage, you've got a heap of old junk right behind you in the cave. Junk.
0: Obsolete yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. computers, Neil. Junk. Come on. <laughs> the retro junk. Anyway. cave. That, yes, junk cave, and people pay to come and see the junk cave. <laughs> but um, there is a solution. If it was junk, there is a solution. You can now take it to Curry's, which for our global listeners is an electronic and white goods retail chain in the UK, or at least it was when I lived there. um And so you can actually take your old tech to Curry's, and they'll give you, and I quote, at least £5 pounds for it. And this story was brought to us by. Um, Paul a.k.a. Hermsky. And it's actually uh the, the actual main story is a piece on thisismoney.co.uk. It's a piece written by Jane Denton. And actually, before I go on, I must say it's it's a fairly thoughtful piece because Jane actually expands the news by going into advice about not just wiping personal data from your devices before you trade them in, but also thinking about things like multi-factor authentication and making sure that's tied to your new device before handing your old one in. Easy thing to miss. And then even goes into something I wouldn't have thought about. If you've got other smart tech in your home, making sure you've got a new device that can then you know, control those existing devices again before you trade whatever you're trading in does make it sound like they're after newer stuff, but we'll get into that. Um, and she also makes mention of other tech disposals um, options such as um, there's computer aid, there's music magpie, um, so you know really kudos for looking at other avenues. But the offers from the offer from Curry's, things like okay yes, it, it mentions you get a hundred pounds off your new TV if you recycle your old one. That makes sense. But thinking of you know what we're into, would you get a hundred pounds off your sixty-five inch smart LED if you took in a twenty-eight inch CRT to trade in? What do you guys reckon? Do you know what I?
2: I, I was kind of sitting there and I, I kind of to and throw about the pros and cons of this. And the only thing that worries me and it, it concerns me for all recycling, but but bespe- specifically the electronic side is okay so they obtain all of this hardware or, or items where is it all going to go you know i'd like to have that transparency from when we give it in how does it work i mean um you know there are a variety of different electronics companies uh, who i won't name but you can probably guess uh, they have a symbol of a certain fruit um <laughs> and when they break down their products you know they take everything back down Um, and reuse it for a lot of their products as well so that's a great example and they show that actively that they take the old and use use it with the new Um, now i'm not going to say curries are going to sit there and strip down everything that they give and and try and recycle it for you know other products and stuff but it would be nice to have a little bit of transparency so Mm. um you know are they going to potentially look at making a small profit by you know selling some items or parts that are inside or reusing it for For different ventures or something like that is there a whole charity section that will possibly be set up so i think it would be interesting to have a little bit of uh, a bit of transparency maybe the idea is is that they know that crts are slowly dying and that they're going to get all of us to come back to re-buy old tvs maybe that's the move (laughs) who knows um there'll just be a a wall of plasma tvs and, and lcd tvs and led tvs and then just this section at the back for for CRTs, where everyone's <laughs> plugging their retro consoles in to test it, um, but yeah, I, I I like the idea. I just am very concerned about the end result of where those products are going to end up. Because if it just ends up in some waste tip, then I just I don't think that's going to benefit anyone. And I think there's a lot of other ways people could, you know,
0: potentially even resell it to to enthusiasts such as ourselves. Yeah, do you think someone there at Curry's is into retro game India, and this is their ploy <laughs> to get hold of tellys? I think you raise a few good points. Um, uh, the first one is how many people are actually going to go and trade in a CRT? I don't, I don't think there'll be that many who will do it. Second thing is I think curries as a white goods seller are obliged to have a wee disposal unit. So they have to, Correct. They have to take back um, old things and dispose of them correctly. But I use the word dispose rather than recycle or resell. So mm-hmm. not necessarily a great thing if a good CRT is coming in. But it would be really interesting to put it to the test. It sounds like the kind of thing, you know, Mr. Beast might go and do on one of his videos, take the most ridiculous thing he can think of down to a Curry's and see what he can trade up. Uh, The worst thing would probably be something like a 32 inch widescreen CRT, you know, just the the heaviest thing. So not a single person in the store can lift it (laughs) without a lot of assistance. (laughs) That might be a mean one. Uh, What about if I took something like this? This is a... A two inch Sinclair pocket television <laughs> Ooh, you reckon beautiful. they might give me a hundred pounds off a trade up for that I mean they go for about Ooh. 25 quid Great on eBay idea. so if I could get a hundred quid for it that would be a good a good trade up and it is a CRT it's just a sideways firing CRT that uses a mirror um that might be fun but I, I don't think I'm the man to go and make these kinds of videos you know I might I might need to borrow your baseball hat and put it on sideways Dean and you know shout a lot for that kind of video. Yeah. I've actually got your photos sat here so uh, for uh, <laughs> No, I know this. One. If, if any if anyone spots this guy walking into a curry's,
2: don't serve him. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: uh sorry I I'm, I'm actually just off on eBay looking for one of those um, little Sinclair TVs for 25 quid. Um <laughs> I didn't realize they were still that attainable. That, that's nice. Um, yeah, Jane does actually make mention of uh, other options for, you know, um, sorry, other places you could take kit. She mentioned CEX, but bizarrely she doesn't talk about games or computers or consoles in that context. It's just a apparently a place you can sell your old sat-navs to. So there you go. Uh, and she also suggest, suggests that you can use uh, Tech Online. Uh, sorry, you can sell Tech Online via a, a website called MoneyMyTech.co.uk, but they only want computers that run Windows XP or later, sort of as a, a, a sort of point in time. So it's not really the money items, as, as I would call them. It's sort of the stuff that is currently worthless that that particular site would be interested in. But I know that the options that Jane doesn't discuss are the ones that we would probably think of for the kind of tech we're clearly thinking about, which is the retro stuff. Which is one charity shops because it would actually be nice to actually pop into a charity shop and find a bargain because somebody's bothered to take one there and for them to stock it. Another option I thought of—I don't know why I thought of this—but maybe donate it to a YouTuber or a hobbyist. (laughs) I think think that one would be a welcome one. Or you know, God forbid selling it on eBay yourself for for market value rather than scrap value. Um, I don't know, just, just an idea. And sort of you guys have already hinted about it, you know, a, a YouTube channel that sort of covers this. You know, what would you actually get at Curry's? Um, and what would it actually be worth? If I was to take something, I don't know, the example I was gonna use is sitting right here next to me. I can place my hand on it, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. So maybe maybe the Spectrum plus three. If I was to take my Spectrum plus three into Curry's, it's been fully recapped. Uh, the drive has been fully reconditioned. The whole thing works 100%. Cost me 185 pounds plus shipping, but we don't talk about that. Um, and I'm I'm guessing if I took that into Currys, they'd probably offer me the bog standard five pounds. They'd dismiss it as a broken old keyboard, and they wouldn't even bother working out what it is or or what's it worth. Um, what do you guys reckon?
0: Well, um, just as you were talking, I've never heard of that money money for old tech um, website. What was it called? There, what did you call it? Money, money my tech. Money my tech. Okay. I had to do a search. Mm. It's money the number four mytech.co.uk so money for mytech.co.uk and i just put in there um, a nintendo nes in average condition with a working power supply no controllers and no games and no original box they'll give me 11 pounds 55 for it Seems a little bit on the low side so um yeah i think i think you're better off on ebay with that or just giving it to someone who might want it but it's an option it's nice to know the options are out there Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm still on the fence about whether I would take my much loved retro down to Kerry's. No, I'm not on the fence at all. I wouldn't take my much. Why did I even say that? I wouldn't take my retro down to Kerry's. but I have got like a 2010 Samsung uh, flat screen TV that's, it still works, but uh, it's, it's pretty slow to up, you know, the refresh rate's pretty slow. It's not great to watch a movie on by modern day standards. That's the kind of thing I might trade in. I think a 10 year old telly. Yeah, how about you, Dean? Yeah.
2: Again, I, I kind of flip-flop between wanting to trade stuff in and wanting to give it a, a nice home. I've always had this thing about um, giving giving things be- a, a nice new home. So I, I don't know. I, I still think selling on eBay is a better idea. Um, you know, companies always try and bend the rules, right? And this is why and I'm not saying Currys are a bad company at all. Um, but, you know, again, I think it would be better to just have that transparency so that at least if you are trading it, and you know exactly where it's going. But, um, you know, as mentioned earlier, I think donating it to someone who would genuinely benefit from this is a far better idea. Um and, you know, you never know, putting it on eBay, you might be able to make yourself a, a bit of money and actually get something, you know, better than than what you're expecting. Well, it's, so, uh, you know, by, it's a reflection. based on what you just said for a price
0: for Nez, you could get far yeah. more money for that as well. Mm. I think it's a reflection of where we all are when we're considering eBay as the better option. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's <That's> true. Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Poor marketplace. Yep. Yeah. I can still see a future video series there, guys. Curry's offered me what for my retro computer? (laughs) (laughs) Five pounds. Always five pounds, yeah. I'd watch it. I'd still watch it. Um, but yeah, I mean, according to the story, you know, Curris start this initiative on April the 15th. So it's coming up soon. And joking aside, this is this is a good initi- initiative from a recycling point of view. It's always good to recycle. And of course, I think we understand it's not really aimed at the kind of tech we're into. It's not aimed at collectibles or retro kit, um, or it's more the more recently redundant, as I would call it. Um, You know, your last smartphone, your plasma TV that's not a smart TV, perhaps that kind of thing. So do take a look at the story. But please, if you're that lovely old lady from down the road sitting on a pile of old Amstrads, Commodores, Sinclairs, Ataris, or even, well, anything beige, basically,
0: please don't take them to Curry's for a £5 voucher. Well, the cat is out of the bag. Ken and Roberta Williams' big new game has been revealed. There's been a lot of hype surrounding the game and the build-up to it, or at least in our retro circles anyway. We knew they were working on a new game. We knew that it was VR-based, or VR would be involved in some such way. And we were told that it was an adventure. That's all we knew. But at the big GDC event, they gave away more information, and we finally got to see a very short trailer for it. And it turns out the game is a first-person, VR-capable recreation of Colossal Cave Adventure, the 1976 text adventure game first playable on a PDP. Now, I'll give you my thoughts on this, but first I want to hear yours to see if they uh, align with my first impressions, mostly based on the trailer, because that's all we've really got to go on at the moment. Does it live up to what we were expecting, and are you hyped, Chris? (laughs) I don't know if "hyped" is the right word, but it's VR,
1: so I'm there, (laughs) and I love a good lockdown story because it's good to have something positive out of all of that. Um, And like I said, it's VR, so I I had a look at the uh, the renders and uh, the trailer. Uh, My hope, being based off a text adventure, uh, which I never played, by the way, I will put my hand up to that, uh, but hopefully it's a casual paced adventure that happens to be in vr giving the player the time to feel immersed and sit back and think about each challenge that's presented to them i prefer that to the stress and grind of a modern adventure game that's just my taste you know a modern game for a retro gaming audience if you like dean what do you reckon
2: yeah i mean this caught me by surprise um i mean i'm heavily into my vr uh, i know neil has uh, frequented a few of my streams where i've been doing beat sabering i think i did the woodwork stream once that went quite awry but uh we'll, we'll look past that um but you know i mean sierra have obviously got you know massive history of making games um vr being completely different so it's going to be fascinating to see exactly how they make that jump how you turn a text adventure into something visual um i think part of the charm of a text adventure is that you know, you, your mind builds the picture, right? Whereas obviously in VR, you're gonna be presented with with that visual stimulation. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they they, they deal with that. Ad- admittedly, same as yourself, I never actually played the text adventure. It's not been my uh, genre of gaming that I have frequented, but uh, probably something I should actually do in the future. Um, but, you know, some games have made the jump uh, from, you know, being a, a, I guess, flat game, if you want to use a term, into a VR. Mist um, being a great example of that. People were worried that it wasn't going to be able to make the jump, and I would actually argue that the VR version is probably better than the original. Um, especially when you see the, the puzzles presented with you, you can kind of look at them from various different angles. So it, it gives a completely different perspective on things. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see the old developers bringing on new technology to bring us something new as well. So uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. It'll be interesting to get Neil's view on this as well.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you where I am with it. Um, I was lucky enough to interview Ken some months back when he was teasing this and he was uh, helped along with his hype man who who was really hyping up this game and it all sounded very nice. And I was very excited for what little information that they did give us. I guess the, the hype man did his job and I was hyped. So what they did tell us during that interview was, uh, and, and subsequent interviews, I know others have got to chat to them as well. And, and they've said the same. So we've learned that it's a small team that's working on it. We knew that Ken and Roberta were working on it remotely from their boat sailing around the world. So quite how involved they can be from that perspective, I don't know, um, I'm sure, there are plenty of things they could do remotely. For example, the the storyline and the plot and things like that. You could sit down and write. Not quite sure how much testing in VR Ken's able to do on a on a rocking yacht around the world. Um and I concocted this idea in my head of what this game would be based on the information we had. So it's Ken and it's Roberta Williams. They've got a long history of adventure games. And The fact that they'd seem to hint to us that there would be a retro gaming element to whatever that idea was, led me to expect, I guess, a kind of quest game. You think about King's Quest, Police Quest, Space Quest, all of those point and click adventure games that they're really best known for. That's what got into my head. So I thought, how are they gonna incorporate VR into this? And I thought it's probably gonna have kind of a pixel art style. It's gonna be a new point and click quest style game with the ability to play it in VR. So perhaps you're kind of looking into the adventure like it's some kind of doll's house and you can look at it from Mm. different angles and think something like that. That's just what I thought it might turn out to be like with very little to no evidence (laughs) as to the fact that that's what it would be. And I think also because I know Ken's a, you know, he's a businessman, he's a marketing man. He knows how to spread the hype. Why wouldn't he tap into his and Roberta's history and their gaming legacy for what they're best known for to promote this new thing? Now, coming on to what they have revealed, I'll be brutally honest, what I can see in the trailer is, I'm going to say, a circa 2003 first-person adventure game. It, it doesn't look good to me, uh, at least not for 2022. Um, and they say it'll be released this year, so this is as close to finish as uh, finished as they're hoping to get, if we're to believe that. Um, yeah it's not great stylistically it's not tapping into anything that's actually retro for me it's 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 crossing the line of looking dated rather than retro and i think that might be a reflection of the very small team that's trying to pull this off because they mentioned when i interviewed them the use of stock art assets and to make a game stylistically uh, to hit all the notes that they want i'm not quite how sure i'm not quite sure how you would actually do that with stock art because you're always at the, the, the whims of somebody else who's making that art so it's it's going to be different to difficult to set a very um well-defined stylistic approach unless you've got some kind of clever filter to go over it all and and make it pixely or look how you want you know how you want it to So um yeah my first impressions based on the trailer are not great but I do want to give it a chance because I know as well as anyone that games aren't all about looks and if the mechanics are right then great it's aimed at VR so It's always nice to see people pushing VR and maybe the graphics as they are work better in VR. Maybe it's better for them to be less cluttered and have less detail, but I'm not entirely convinced. The obvious comparison for me is probably Skyrim VR, which is about five years old now, and that contains infinitely more detail. You know, you've got individual blades of grass blowing around in the wind to look at when you're playing that. This is just flat textured hills. Um, Yeah. There's even this dragon that appears in the trailer. And if you look closely, its feet kind of clip through the floor and it slides uh, around a bit. You know, really? You thought you'd put that in a trailer to show off just how great this was? Yeah. I can find the best in nearly everything, but I I am struggling a little bit with the trailer. Is this fair of me or am am I just bringing the tone down, bringing the mood down too much, guys?
1: yeah it's a hard one yeah it's a lockdown project as said so if it's a nice visual vr experience that isn't as taxing as skyrim um, and i've played skyrim in vr then i think there's a place for that um people like me who are up for a quest so long as we're back in time for dinner uh, less time investment than than a lot of the modern games require if i can put it that way then i'm up for that but yeah i don't know maybe maybe they're trying to go for the retro look and haven't quite nailed it or maybe they're trying to go for the modern look and haven't quite nailed that yeah I, i don't really know but i know what you're saying what do you reckon dean
2: if there's one thing i've learned it's very hard to make a game trailer for a vr game on something that's flat Um, I have judged many a game before uh, where I've written a game off and then randomly gone and played it and went, oh dear, this is very different to what I was expecting. Now, you know, again, as I said, VR is such a a new thing and they're obviously moving into a a new um, piece of hardware to develop games from. So I think some people have adopted it better than others. Um, Again, you know, we're, we're still, I guess, in their inception of using vr as a platform to build from in their very early stages the other thing i was thinking about whilst you gentlemen were just talking was um how are they going to release it if they released it as a you know a donation um payment method um rather than just a fixed fee would that kind of maybe get more people involved if it's a a text adventure that way you would kind of almost i don't want to say forgive but not expect it to be as perfect as uh, most AAA titles are expected to be on vr um but again i i guess it tries to tap into what people have played before and adds a different angle to it with it being in vr rather than using your own mind to build that picture up but um i'm going to be keeping a close eye on this i'm fascinated to see what the end result is going to be and i'm hoping that as neil's mentioned if it is a success or people get interested in Sierra making more of these games then we start to have the, the quest series uh, start to become a thing and you know they start to invest a little bit more in the actual development and that graphic or uh, uh, visual sites of what we would probably expect from, from a big uh, company such as Sierra. Mm,
0: yeah I think the, the money question is an important one because who knows who owns the rights to all of those quest games and the names of them now and mm. if these guys are working on a small budget then maybe they just couldn't afford to um, to buy up Police Quest or Space Quest or whatever because there's sure. probably still a good amount of value, particularly in these nostalgic times, attached to those brands. So um, Colossal Cave it is. I, I don't have a problem at all with the subject matter, the game they've chosen. I think it's a pretty smart choice. Um, uh, quite how many people are still nostalgic today for Colossal Cave Adventure, I don't know, but we all recognize it as a you, you know a, a milestone game for for adventure gamers so i think that's a pretty good choice and i will i promise i will reserve judgment uh, i'm sure if ken and roberta aren't happy with the end product then they wouldn't put it out would they <laughs> would would they um hopefully not i'm sure it has to meet a certain amount of quality i have been told um allegedly that their wordpress website is not entirely secure and there are some other trailers tucked away on there which anyone can watch but um yeah i I'm not going to go into details on that, but I have heard <laughs> that you can just go and browse them and that you can see the game engine a little bit more. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll come back to the game when it's released. And if I was a betting man, I might actually put a few quid on it being delayed past 2022. I, 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 I'm not sure that they're going to hit that target based on what I've seen. But again, that's just a feeling that I have. If you'd like to find out more and see the trailer, you can go to Colossal Cave 3 dcom on well, now to our community question of the week, and we will read out the top three answers over on our subreddit, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash thisweekinretro, if you want to participate. So, last week, or in fact, the week before's question, because we had a week off, was what IT related pranks have you pulled? Have you created a fake virus or swapped a keyboard around? Have you ever got one over on friends, family, or work colleagues using tech? Did you own up or were you caught? Um, should we go with the first one? Who's going to read the first answer to this one?
2: Uh, I can go for that. Is that by uh, Remington Noiseless, I believe? Good name. correct?
0: Strong name. Yes.
2: Right. So I will read this verbatim. Um, It was edited nine days ago, which does uh, make me question it. But anyway, we shall read. A while ago, about 20 years ago, Someone in my team at work found a program to change the message on the front panel of HP printers. You could only fit about 20 characters, but it was enough for us to invent some error messages. I'm loving this already, by the way. Suddenly, the marketing department's laser printers started to have odd errors. First of all, there was an excess toner error. Obviously, someone had been topping up the toner a bit too much in it. (laughs) so we convinced someone that this was a real problem and the easy solution was to go into MS Paint, make a picture with just a big black rectangle that filled the screen and then print it out a few times that will use up the toner and fix the problem he went off and printed out a few times and sure enough the process uh, sorry the excess toner error went away unfortunately the printer now had a different error out of photons seeing the print (laughs) see printed out a load of black pages must have used up the photons in the laser lasers use light light is made of photons and the laser is being used a lot uh used a lot uh like when you're printing out a lot of black rectangles it will use up a lot of photons after giving the marketing t- people some quick physics lessons <laughs> we told them that usually the printer would recharge it, its photons tank over time but the solution when we had run out of photons was to get a bit more light into the depths of the printer all they had to do was open up the side panels to do sorry i can't even read that that's ridiculous all they had to do was open up some of the side panels so that some light would get into the printer internals and would be fine in an hour or two sure enough after a couple of hours the error message went away it was a little bit mean but rather funny well
0: done, sir. <laughs> that is top Brilliant. tier. Top tier trolling. That's yeah, fantastic. Well <laughs> love it.
2: Absolutely love that.
0: Um, shall I read the next one then? This is from a Colony Activist and says, My friend was in a meeting and received an email with an XE attachment. He knew what it was, one of those applications that blasts out a WAV file. So he took the sensible precaution of turning the sound down and muted his speakers on his laptop and ran the program just to make sure it was what he thought it was. Unfortunately for him <clears throat> excuse me, unfortunately for him, the programmer had thought someone would take such precautions, and the programme itself unmuted the audio and set the volume to eleven. <laughs> and Julie played, Hey everybody, I'm watching porn over here. Fortunately for him, the people in the meeting thought it was really funny, that the IT whiz in the room had been got and he wasn't in trouble. Yeah, I remember that XE during the rounds. <laughs> I remember hearing it from uh, yeah, all corners of the office, people being caught out. I don't think I was caught out by it myself, thankfully. Um, always use the power and the volume knob on the speakers themselves and not on the computer. That's my <laughs> advice to you. <laughs>
1: I think I might have been caught out with that but I won't admit it I just did (laughs) (laughs) okay the third one um RV uh with this response pranks are pranks I have pulled while in college in the 90s downloading and running sheep.exe on computers that were unlocked um installing blue screen of death screensaver on lab computers And using broadcast network messages to display random mysterious messages on people's computers. I did have to look up sheep.exe because I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, I think it just puts these little animated sheep on the desktop, doesn't it? So the desktop stays where it is and you've got these other things dancing about all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. There were several things like that, like um, desktop desktop weapons so you could have a machine gun to destroy your own desktop and that kind of thing Those yeah. little, we were just emailing x's everywhere back in the 90s you know goodness yeah. knows how viruses got everywhere
0: <laughs> i remember the one that sort of did the rounds as um you know regular friends and family that weren't really into computers were starting to get onto the internet and use it more and use email was that stupid one that would open the cd drive and say it's a coffee cup holder
1: and they oh, thought yes. that was
0: hilarious and so they'd pass it on and as you say that's how viruses get passed on <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: well, we always go over, and I do have a really good prank story, so I won't tell it on here because otherwise we'll go on for too long, but I'll put it in the subreddit as, as an extra response. I haven't put it up yet, so if people want to go and check last week's question and find my response, and it involved um, a guy, a mate that I work with, he had a certain particular screensaver that may have been a nude screensaver of a particular tennis player, um, and I used this knowledge to really getting potentially into some trouble on April Fool's Day. So do look out for that answer in the subreddit.
0: And so on to our next question, this week's question of the week. And I think we could go with a question about uh, getting in the zone or zoning out, guys. So um, this week's question is, what is your go-to game to relax to? If you just want to switch off to the world and and you've had a, maybe you've had a stressful week and you want to zone out, um, maybe your approach is something aggressive maybe you like to go and you know beat someone up do a, a will smith on a chris rock in a virtual sense on, <laughs> on your favorite beat em up <laughs> maybe it's a driving game uh, maybe it's an adventure game in vr where you just go in and uh, take in the world so <laughs> sorry i've, I've broken dean there <laughs> <laughs> broken both it's, it's not just retro news it's current news that comes up in this show <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah, let us know. Let us know over in our subreddit. Reddit.com forward slash R forward slash this week in retro. And we're looking forward to your answers. As always, don't thank pull any punches listening. <laughs> don't pull any punches. Yes. Thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for watching. Huge thanks to Mean Machine Dean for joining us. Dean, where can uh, people find you? Let us know. Uh pretty much mean machine dean on everything except for Twitter where it's
2: the MMD underscore. Someone else has already got it. <laughs> can't do much about that um but yes uh, mostly on twitch tuesdays and thursdays at 8 p.m bst now because we've just done the time switch thing uh and then i've got my podcast which is mean machine talks which you can pretty much find on every platform and youtube as well
0: great and i will see everyone who goes and follows you on twitch twitch.tv forward slash mean machine dean i'm often there in the chat trying to uh, make dean laugh or wind him up that's the best part of the stream <laughs> so come and get involved Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care and bye-bye. Bye. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil Thomas from RNC The Cave and Chris Winter from 005 Aguina. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel.
1: Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube,
0: please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.